Hello, I'm John Ellis. Welcome to episode five of Petodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons' first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we look at the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey is always Dave McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are uh, recording this episode in the morning of Tuesday, 7th September, where this time last week we were recording the show just hours before the transfer window slammed shut and i think we were all fairly pleasantly surprised when we discovered there were no last minutes outs it's it's the thing you do the following morning isn't it you check on social media to see if there was a really late post documenting anyone's departure but no so we may touch on that in a bit and we'll look ahead to the resumption of league football after the first international break also in this episode it is pitodri ps so back over the week that was with the aberdeen fc women taking their bow in the top tier with that league opener against celtic at Model Stadium on Sunday afternoon and the Dons under 18s Cup uh, win the day before against our broth. And we'll focus on Cove Rangers, Peter Head, there's got a national team as well as Highland League, juniors, and more. But first, I look back to Batodry. And in the absence of the senior team, as I say, running out for a fixture on Saturday, it was the turn of Aberdeen's under 18 side on Cup duty against our broth. And what result it was, the young Dons going ahead only to be pulled back to 1 1 deep into injury time before holding their nerve to win the penalty shootout 4-1 to progress the next round of the competition. Speaking after the game, manager Barry Robson. First and foremost, you've got to remember it's a, a, a really good abroad side you're coming up against. I've watched them the last three games um, on video and um, I knew it was coming. Um, experienced players um, know the game inside out or the rest of it. So I mean, knew the style that they wanted to play. So if you're, you're talking about our team with two 16-year-olds and a 17-year-old and the rest are 18-year-olds, it's a massive it's a massive result for them because when you watch the game going on, you can tell the size, the speed, of the, the presence of these players they're playing against. But to be resolute and hold out like they did, I thought they were fantastic. Senior member of the squad, goalkeeper Tom Ritchie, at the ripe old age of 18, was full of praise for the three central defenders in front of him. You wouldn't think they were... 17, 18, by looking at that, you were thinking they're vastly experienced. I think Evan might be... He's 16. 16, yeah. I mean, just look at that. Like, what a feature he's got ahead of him. Like, amazing. So, yeah. I mean, they looked like they were championship players. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. No. Amazing. I think that's probably the first ever time I've played a clip at any show I've been involved in where it's ended. Yeah, no. Amazing. Uh, let's get stuck into this one then, because I remember last week Dave saying we would be doing exceptionally well to get past our growth, that they were the best part-time team in the country, uh, fourth in the championship as they went into this, Andrew, and yet, and then there was Neil Simpson as well, afterwards tweeting, just back from the match at Petodri, congratulations to Barry Scott, staff and young players for the fantastic result today against championship side, our growth. In my opinion, the best AFC youth result in 30 years. Come on, you Reds. Why does Barry Scott work for us? I thought he was employed by Silip Bang. Was that too left field? Okay, never mind. Just a great afternoon, Andrew, on Saturday. It was. Uh, it was a, a real determined, courageous performance from our young Aberdeen side, uh, aided and abetted by 25-year-old Jack Gar, who doesn't have a lot of first-team experience behind him. Uh, but uh, they were up against a very experienced Arbroath side. Yes, they made eight changes from the team that started their previous league game, but the big hitters were all on the bench, and five of them came on uh, in the second half uh, as and make no mistake, I both wanted to win that game. There was no question at all about their commitment to it. But uh, despite a corner count of 13 to 1 to our growth, 
mm. it did look right until the 95th minute as though Aberdeen were going to win it, cut of an excellent goal from Michael Ruth. Uh, they then had the real kick in the guts uh, when Hen- Liam Henderson equalised, as I say, in the 95th minute. But great mental fortitude shown by the team and brilliant goalkeeping from Tom Ritchie as they won the penalty shootout 4-1. So now, just when we thought we were never going to have to go back to Hamilton again, it's <laughs> Hamilton Aki's away in the next round of the cup. <laughs> I suppose it says even more um, in, in this um, present situation, Andrew, when you consider that the game finishes and then it's it's straight to penalties. So maybe that maybe that helps when you don't have a chance to think about it. But you're talking about mental fortitude. To actually steal yourself immediately to go to penalties is something, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, I, I did see some people uh, tweeting saying, yeah, the boys did well, but they looked tired at the end of 90 minutes. Of course they did. They'd, they had to battle every way, inch of the way, mm. but they knew that the game went straight to penalties. If you know that you've got the potential for another 30 minutes, you pace yourself so there's a wee bit left in the tank, but they knew that it was a case of throw absolutely everything to the into the, the regulation time and they... Uh, but then it, it, it does take a lot uh, to stand up and take penalties, particularly when there, there, was, a, there was quite a long delay before the, penalty, the first penalty was taken. Tyler McKeita standing over the ball, waiting to take it, when the referee spots that there's one of their growth backroom staff is standing in the centre circle with uh, the the rest of the players. So he has to usher him out of there. But this time, Tyler's probably thinking, well, am I going left? Am I going right? Am I going straight down the middle? He's probably gone through that scenario 15 times in his head. But hey, the penalties that Aberdeen took were superb. And as I say, Tom Ritchie, two great saves in the the shootout uh, to go along with a very, very solid performance. But the the real stars of the show for me were the three young lads in central defence. Evan Towler, 16-year-old, Jack Milne and Mason Hancock, 18-year-olds. And they were absolutely immense. There was, I think Tom Ritchie reckoned there was about 100 crosses came into the box in the 90 minutes. He wouldn't have been far wrong, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but they stood up to the physical challenge extremely well. And in the end of the day, as Simi says, a terrific victory, possibly one of the best in the last 30 years for that age group. Yeah, I, I didn't see the game, unfortunately. Uh, but the sounds of it, though, Dave, uh, and the sounds of Barry's description of the outcome, it wasn't a case of absolutely back to the wall and hanging on and it being basically a growth doing shooty in, uh, where we were lucky to come away with a victory. Yes, off the woodwork a few times and a strong, strong defensive effort. But also, it sounds like we played really well at times. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, I, I didn't see the game either because I was at Cove on Saturday afternoon, but uh, we were following it. Uh, and when Aberdeen scored, thought that's it. And then, of course, right at the death, getting equaliser, you knew it was going to penalties, as, of course, the, the Cove game did as well. So it was a wee while before the, the result actually came through. So it was great to, to say, as I said last week, I thought it was going to be, and it was a really tough, probably the toughest uh, one of the toughest ties they could have they could have uh, drawn, and uh, you know it's tremendous and it, it augurs so well for the future. It really does. Andrew, you you spent a, a bit of time with the 18 squad this year, and as we pointed out, it is a young 18 squad at that. But with results like this, and a, you know a widely pushed progression statement from the club about ensuring a pathways there. Uh, for young players to make it to the first team. We heard from the likes of the, the goalkeeper there, Tom Ritchie, the uh, the elder statesman of the team at 18, other than Jack Kerr. Um, he's been on the bench for the first team already, Tom, about five or so times, I think. Can you see more of these players breaking through soon? 
It's going to be tough uh, because there is a big first team squad and there is this gap between uh, the the under 18s. That wasn't really the under 18 team that played on Saturday. That's technically it's the B team. You're allowed to uh, have players up to the age of 20 and then you're allowed three over 20s. But there were a lot of very young players featured in that game. We were able to call in the likes of Tyler Makita, Kevin Hanrati, uh, and Jack Milne, who are all out on loan at Highland League clubs. But that in itself makes it very difficult to, for Barry Robson to get the team together because they're all out uh, training at other places. Uh, some of them train at Pataudry, some of them train at Cormac Park. I think Barry only had them together for uh, probably a couple of hours uh, to prepare for that Arbroath game. But uh, I think there's certainly players, Kieran Nguenya, uh, looked excellent. Kevin Hanrati has got all the tricks of the trade. Um, he maybe just needs to get a little bit more consistency into his game. That you know, a typical flair player. They'll look brilliant one minute and then they'll trip over the ball the next. Uh, we've seen them they play first-team football all around the world, but uh, Kevin definitely has a chance. Uh, and Ryan Duncan, who plays on the right side of midfield, predominantly left-sided, but a big, strong boy from Afford. Um, you know, the great thing is that so many of them are local boys. I think probably Jack Gar obviously has come in. Uh, Kieran Nguyen is from Edinburgh. Tom Ritchie is from Elgin. Mason Hancock's from from London. But the rest of them are local boys who have come up through the academy. And that performance was testament to the great work that has been done with these players, probably from the age of about eight uh, mm-hmm. in the, the Aberdeen Academy, which is why Simi was so proud of them, because he's overseen their progression all the way through the different age groups. But uh, as far as getting into the first team, it's maybe a little bit early to be talking about that just yet, but there's definitely good signs. Michael Ruth, the, uh, the goal scorer for the Young Dogs on Saturday against Abroath, where he spent some of last season on loan, uh, and in the previous round as well, next to the winner against Brora too, off out on loan again, this time to Falkirk, where he's going to meet a familiar face uh, in Paul Sheeran. That, that could turn out to be a really good loan move for him, couldn't it, Dave? Yeah, funnily enough, I was actually speaking to um, a friend of mine who's heavily involved with Falkirk at the end of last week. And he was saying that the one thing they're missing is a goal scorer, you know, Cove of Mitch Meganson, Clyde of David Goodwillie, that they can rely on double figures every, every season, one in, you know, year in, year out. But he was saying that that's all they really need is a proven goal scorer. And I think Michael at that level will hopefully fill that 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 uh, berth and it's a great move for, for Michael he knows Paul Sheeran well Paul Sheeran knows him very well indeed so I think it's a, a good fit for both player and club Just one last thing on this game Andrew could Dick Campbell the Arbroath manager be criticised maybe for all the, the changes he made to a team which had hammered them firmly 3-0 the week before when he started the game in the stand he ended up with the touchline triple subs and all of that do you think he, he thought this would be a fairly straightforward win? No I'm quite sure he, he realised that um he, he, was, he probably felt that uh, he could throw in some of his fringe players because obviously you're up against a B team. Uh, and as Barry Robson said afterwards, that was the toughest game that any of the B teams was handed. But uh, I think Dick was probably thinking, well, you know, we're a way to come into a really busy spell in the season. I've got to have a look and see how well my fringe players uh, adapt to playing competitive games. Make no mistake, our both played some really good football. I was quite impressed with them. All that was lacking was, as Dave said, Falkirk lack, a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Because they, they created a lot of chances. 
without seriously threatening Tom Ritchie. They hit the woodwork four times, so they can see that they were unlucky there. As I said earlier, they had 13 corners, hundreds of crosses into the box, but there was just a lack of cutting edge. But all the big guns, you know, Colin Hamilton, Tom O'Brien, Michael McKenna, Scott Stewart, James Cregan, who had all started the game against Infermline, they were all on in the second half. So the team that finished the game was very much a growth first team. And it was nice to see Nicky Lowe back strutting his stuff at Pataudry. Came very close uh, to scoring with a terrific left foot shot that I think Tom Ritchie just got a touch to uh, putting it onto the junction of post and bar. He looked a really good player. Uh, they will cause problems for sides in the championship this season. Make no mistake about it. But it's it was Aberdeen's day and they deserve all the credit that was heaped on them. As I say now, it's Hamilton away, another championship side. The, the challenges just get bigger and bigger for this team. But hey, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Out to Sunday and the AFC women are taking it up to you about Balmoral Stadium for their league opener against Celtic. And with a new co-manager brought into the uh, the staff in the form of Gavin Beath. I have to admit, Dave, I was a bit surprised to see that move, given how well... Uh, the team's come on under Emma Hunter. I, I know there was a co-manager set up there in the past, presumably simply a return to that system, is it? I think so. I mean, Harley and Danny filled that role with Emma uh, very successfully. And, uh, of course, now that they've moved up as well, it's a lot for Emma to do on her own, given she's got a full-time job as well. So um, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's very experienced, uh, Gavin Beath at Dundee United. Uh, so I think, you know, Emma's still 100% involved, but I think it, I think it is because there was the lad in after Harley briefly, uh, and then it was back to, to just Emma. So um, no, and uh, watched that game. You know, the, the they were out muscled in the end by Celtic, but certainly didn't do themselves any harm at all as as a first game in the, the top flight. And I, I think it will cause quite a number of those teams. Uh, problems and I, I see them consolidating their position in the in the top flight this season, this year. Yeah, that game against Celtic last season's runners-up, uh, it was always going to be tough, a 4-2 loss in the end. Decent enough showing. I saw a few of the players tweeting afterwards, thanking the fans for coming along. Almost 500 there, but I think that's only going to improve as they do. Uh, and they'll, they'll find their, their feet at this level, won't they? I mean, to an extent they already have, but I don't think they'll have any issues staying in the top flight this year, which surely is their number one aim after being promoted to consolidate that, first of all. And anything else above that is a bonus, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, I would I would say so. And uh, bear in mind that the crowd was bigger on Sunday than it was for Cove's game on, on Saturday. So, you know, make no mistake, it wasn't wasn't a bad turnout at all for the first week, given it was on television as well on in Alaba. So, uh, you know, there'd be quite a few people that would have gone had it not been live on television as well. So no, I think the, the profile that the, the ladies are enjoying now is uh, fantastic for them. You know, even sports scene highlights of the, the women's uh, top flight. It can only benefit and can only encourage people to take up uh, the sport in, in numbers that perhaps we've not seen in the past. Yeah, all boards well, as you say. Now, a brief look at the national team, which I'll be honest, I was probably going to uh, body swerve, given that we've called ourselves Petodri PS, but more importantly, because the results of late haven't really been worth talking about. However, uh, former Don Scott McKenna getting call up and probably soon to be former Don Lewis Ferguson, uh, as well as Declan Gallagher making the squad too. I, I genuinely went into the Denmark match almost the way I used to watch Doctor Who as a kid, you know, hiding behind the couch, only occasionally peeking through between a gap and the cushions. 
And it was pretty much like that for the first few minutes, wasn't it, Andrew? Um, it was very similar. It's a quite an apt um, <laughs> comparison you've drawn there because I didn't watch Doctor Who as a kid. I didn't watch the, the, the Denmark game, but uh, I did I see... Did. Uh, uh, well, Dave can tell us all about it, but uh, I, I did see the, the first goal came through and I thought, oh dear. And then my phone buzzed very quickly after yeah. I thought oh this must be the assist for the goal no it's a second Denmark goal and I really did fear the worst because obviously it was a, a, a very emotional night for the whole Danish nation well, exactly. and you did think Scotland we, we swept away by this tidal wave of emotion that engulfed the place but I think um, they got themselves together they never looked like winning the game uh, but at least they avoided the humiliation of a really heavy defeat. Yeah, an amazing atmosphere in the stadium, as this was the, their first sort of official homecoming off the back of, well, their most eventful European tournament in a long time, if not ever, when you think about it, uh, the ups and downs of that, for any manner of reasons. And at one stage, I was wondering if we could hire a joiner at halftime and just run on and board our goal up, but changes made. Um, Mindsley better second half, then Moldova at Hamden in front of, I think, 40,000. Uh, Lyndon Dyke's goal enough to see them off, but it looks like we've left ourselves a hell of a task again to have any real hope of qualifying, doesn't it, Dave? Yeah, I, I meant I used to watch Doctor Who from behind the, the cushions, <laughs> and the, so, but I also did watch the game last week and uh, the Denmark game. It was just uh, everything that Steve Clark had said before the game about silencing the crowd, it just went so horribly yeah. wrong. But uh, Moldova, not particularly impressive in terms of the result. You would expect we we should be beating Moldova a bit more comfortably although as we all know there's a Moldovan team now in the Champions League group stages so they're improving all the time but yeah we've, we've you know we've got to win tonight simple as that I think um, against an Austrian side that's smarting after the 5-2 loss to, to Israel at the weekend but it's a game if we anything yeah, less Israel. Win, we leave it <laughs> almost impossible to, to make it but uh, we've been here so often in the past and probably so often in the future we'll be here again mm. but uh, it is a must win game yeah manager Steve Clark signed an extension to his contract just prior to the Denmark match good one to get it out of the way then uh, it took some flack in the aftermath of it but he's got a supporter from the former national coaches club the guy's a special manager and, and his record is never mind what he did at Kamala what he did in England I mean he'd West Bromwich the highest I've ever been and we're talking about a guy with a good pedigree and then at Kamala was exceptionally good and You've not heard one, I've not heard one player complain about what's happening with the Scottish team. Uh, and no journalists until they start, you know, then you're reading, you've only won one out of nine. You know, and I don't know how many draws are there. They're probably seven draws. <laughs> you know, but they, they turn it to the neck. You know, too many people turn uh, to uh, debit. Rather than the credit. No, I'm quite serious. I, I just read, I think I read this morning or yesterday, we've only won one out of nine for the last nine games. No, we have lost eight of them. But it would be interesting to know how many, you know, and, and it's the twist that's put on it that annoys you. And if there was ever a guy who managed to haul us up, the world rankings based on drawing a lot of matches. It was Craig Brown. He's got a point though, hasn't he, Andrew? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, Craig's been round the block so many times, knows the game inside out, knows what kind of reaction you're going to get from the media, depending on results. But he's, he's quite right. You know, just because you 
you throw up this statistic, one win in nine, doesn't mean to say you've lost the other eight. Uh, so, and bear in mind some of the sides that Scotland have met in these these nine games. But uh, I think, as Dave said, it's I think Callum McGregor said it's a game that they must not lose. But I think Scotland really have to win this one, and particularly against an Austrian side that will be a bit down. I mean, you don't lose 5-2 in Israel and come away feeling good about yourselves. But it's all set up once again, isn't it? Scotland against Israel to be so hmm. pivotal in a group. I mean, they must be sick of the sight of each oh, other. Every second international seems to be Israel. I mean, for, for years and years and years, we never played Israel. Now we play them seemingly every second week. <laughs> I think somebody said that uh, Lyndon Dykes got his first cap just over a year ago, about 367 days ago. He's played 17 games and probably 15 of them <laughs> against Israel. <laughs> of course, we record this podcast ahead of the match in Austria tonight, so we can't comment on that outcome. Uh, but we can have a prediction from the guys on it. Austria v Scotland. Uh, Dave? Uh, two on us. <laughs> Andrew? I think Scotland will just sneak a victory because we created so many good chances against Moldova yeah. but just couldn't hit the back of the net. I know you can't just flick a switch and you'll suddenly hit the back of the net with every chance, but at least if you're creating opportunities, you've got a chance. So I think um, Scotland will win and I tend to go along with Dave, 2-1. Uh, Kenny McLean, Ryan Fraser, Nathan Patterson ruled out for that one, of course. Um, on to Cove Rangers next. In cup action as well, this weekend passed. Now, I said to you, Dave, last week, hopefully a fairly routine win against lower league opposition in Sinesmuir. Nil-nil at full time at Cove progressing courtesy of a 4-2 win on penalties. Not convincing and still a bit of illness lingering around the club, but they got there, Dave. They got there, but um, and again... Paul Hartley, not exactly spoiled for choice. He'd only one outfield player that was fit to come on uh, in Robbie Leach as a substitute. Uh, they didn't play well. Cove, um, I think uh, Paul admitted that after after the game. They struggled with uh, too many times. The service was lacking. Uh, wouldn't get past the first defender. That, that happened so many times. And to be fair, Stenard's Muir didn't play like a side that are at the bottom of League Two. Um, so in the end, it's you know, it's, it was just all about getting through. They took their penalties very well, the uh, Cove, and the, the draw has been so kind to them because they've now got another side at home who are equally at the bottom of League Two <laughs> and Albion Rovers. So, you know, they can't complain about the draw not being, being good to them. They got through and hopefully they'll get some bodies back. I mean, Ian Vigers was missing. Uh, Ross Draper still not fit, fit again. Jevin Anderson missing for the next four or five weeks. Um, lots of players just not there. Jamie Masson still working his way back uh, to, to full fitness and um, match sharpness. But uh, it was a win. You know, that's, that's all you can say. But it's a huge game this coming weekend yeah. against Montrose at Memorial. And that that's, you know, Montrose are three points ahead of Cove at the top of, of League One. So it's one that uh, if Cove have got aspirations of playing championship football next season, which they have, then it's one that we're looking to take three points. Yep. Oh, and by the way, Craig Brown's yeah. grandson uh, plays for Montrose, so he could start. <laughs> Craig had a, a dilemma whether to go to Motherwell against Aberdeen, <laughs> two of his former clubs, or go to Cove against Montrose. And uh, his two former clubs have won, so he's going to Fur Park. <laughs> 
<laughs> a win's a win's a win's a win. Um, yeah, Cove's reward, a third round home tie against Albion Rovers in October. As you say, back to league business this coming weekend. That home tie against second top Montrose. Now, on to Peter Head. A weird sort of stroke of fate saw them lose 3-0 at home to East Fife in the league, only to face them back at Balmour in the Cup this weekend past. And Andrew, I dubbed it as a chance for immediate redemption. Sadly... Not to be, as they went down 1-0 on this occasion. I don't know if you can take that away and, and say you've made progress in a week, can you? I don't think so. I think Jim McAnally will be really disappointed once again uh, that his side has lost. I mean, we said last week, it is such a difficult uh, thing to, to turn around. When you're in a losing rut, you get stuck there and it seems that nothing goes your way. And, uh, you know, something has to change and change quickly for Peter Head because... You know, if they carry on the way they're going, they're going to get cast adrift at the bottom of the table. And that's not what you want going into uh, what is always a, a busy spell, you know, autumn into winter. Uh, and uh, it's it's hard to see how they're going to get out of it, to be perfectly honest. They're not scoring a lot of goals. Uh, they're, they're conceding too many. And the confidence must be taking a bit of a battering. I would think so. Um, next up, four Peter ahead, a match against mid-table Clyde. And as you say, if they... Hope to haul themselves off the foot of the divisional win anytime soon would be a welcome boost. Now, for the uh, for the Highland League teams, Fraserburgh in action on Friday night, a comfortable 4 0 victory over Huntley, opening the gap at the top of the table to six points. Second place, Bucky missing out on league action at the weekend thanks to cup commitments. Uh, they were on the wrong side of the 4 0 scoreline against Inverness Caledonian Thistle. Full league card this weekend sees leaders Fraserburgh make the journey to Wick uh, with their translator. Uh, they'd be as well hiring the one coach and, and dropping Bucky off at Broder on the way up the A-line. For Martin, are at home to Huntley. Both teams locked in 12 points going into that. Uh, third place in Verruri are away to Fort William at Harlow Park in that very strange setup for Fort William this year. A tour of home change rooms they're very likely never to see any other way. Uh, in, the, in the juniors, Dave? Well, I think we've got to mention uh, Banks of victory over Fraserburgh in the Aberdeenshire semi-final uh, last Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, once again, punching way above their weight. But at the weekend, uh, because Banks City were in League Cup action, where they won 5-1 at Dice, Cooter actually took advantage. They've played a lot more games at the top of the table. They won 2-1 at Colony Park with two late goals through um, Gene and Ross, giving them victory there. So they're actually top of the Super League at the moment. But uh, as I say, Banks City have got so many games in hand. Uh, there's the usual big scoring games. Hermes 8, Montrose Rose Lee 1, um, Ellen 4, Bankery 4. Uh, and in Division 1, leader Stonywood Parkville, they actually lost at home to Buckinghaven Hearts 1-0. Uh, top scorers were Stonehaven, who won 7-1 at Aberdeen University. While in Division 2, Newmarker United are still top, courtesy of a 4-3 victory at home to Cruden Bay. Does it make a mockery of the Highland League and junior setup when the likes of Bankers D come along and, and beat Fraserborough? I mean, would they do that? Would they, would they coast as easily, do you think, in the Highland League every week? I think they would, they would uh, well, they've got a chance because of the pyramid system of, of yeah. playing in the Highland League next season. Um, I think they would more than hold their own in the Highland League because there's a lot of players, and Andrew knows this as well as I do, that just don't fancy the travelling that the Highland League gives you, which means, of course, Banks D players will have a, a choice to make if they go up. Um, but uh, So that they've got a lot of players who... Would Highland League clubs would love to have on their books, but they're they're quite happy just to have the restricted travelling. I mean, you still obviously you still travel 
every second week, but not to the extent of uh, Fort William and well, not Fort William this season, but Wick, <laughs> etc. Yeah. And uh, so I think, but to get back to your point, John, I think they would do very well in Highland League. Mm. Okay, um, let's just wrap up the football, and then we'll take a quick look at golf and, and also tennis before we finish up. Uh, finally, in the football, though, why don't we take a very quick look at the, the Dons weekend game coming up and a way trip to Motherwell. Probably a case of the international break coming for us at the right time on this occasion, wasn't it, Andrew? I mean, it's not as if we were on an absolute flyer and you, you didn't want us to lose momentum. Do you think maybe Lewis Ferguson might be rested off the back of the Scotland trip? I'd ask about Declan Gallagher as well, but I'm not sure of the, the personnel to rest him, do we? I, I don't think Lewis Ferguson will be rested. Um, he, he's trained with the Scotland squad. We don't know if he'll feature tonight, but he's, he's had seconds of game time, but he's got himself his first cap. So his confidence will be lifted. He's now Lewis Ferguson of Aberdeen in Scotland. Uh, and that's a big thing. So I'm sure Lewis will be itching to, to get out onto the pitch at Fir Park on Saturday. As far as Declan Gallagher's concerned, well, he hasn't featured. Uh, David Bates, of course, yet to make his debut for Aberdeen. So uh, I think that in terms of personnel, we're OK. We could have Bates and Gallagher in central defence, push Ross McCrory into midfield. Uh, so uh, I think the important thing for Aberdeen is that uh, the new guys who came in just before the Ross County game, Matty Longstaff, Austin Samuels, Marley Watkins, and the aforementioned David Bates, they've now had a couple of weeks training with Aberdeen that um, they can get into the swing of things. So uh, I'm looking forward to the game. We've got an excellent record down at Fir Park, but Motherwell have, since their opening day defeat, against Hibs have won two and drawn one. They've got themselves into the right end of the table. And in Tony Watt, there's somebody up front who you've always got to keep an eye out for. Motherwell have made a lot of changes to their side, but they seem to be gelling quite nicely. It's a similar situation with Aberdeen. We'll see who has uh, got their act together better on Saturday afternoon. And how do you see it going, guys? Dave, you first. Motherwell versus Aberdeen. Glass half full, obviously, so uh, 2-0 victory on the road for the Dons. And Andrew? Uh, I think it might be tighter. I'll go 2-1 because we still have to rediscover the art of keeping clean sheets. Yeah, OK. Um, right, now, on to, uh, let's do golf first. Solheim Cup, Andrew. Yeah, Solheim Cup, uh, fantastic victory for Katrina Matthews and uh, the Europe time winning 15-13 against the States at the Inverness Club. Not Inverness Club, Inverness in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, Katrina Matthew, captain, uh, a Scot, but someone from closer to home played a part in that victory as well. Paul Cormack, an ex-member at Inch Marlow Golf Club in Bankery, someone that I've known for a good number of years. He's the caddy for Sweden's Anna Nordquist, uh, who was one of the stars of the show for Europe. And uh, I'm mightily impressed. I sent Cormack a message this morning and I got a message back. It was, it was sober. At, at quarter past 10 in the morning. That's wow. like quarter past five in the morning in the States. So I would suggest that the party has gone on all night. All right. I know Paul, he hasn't been to his bed yet. Um, but he said <laughs> it was so cool to win there when the crowd are totally against you because there were no European supporters there. Of course. So that makes it an even more significant and magnificent feat that um, the European team have achieved there. Back-to-back victories. And Katrina Matthews was captain last time it was across here. This time, she's not going to go for three in a row when it's in Spain next time the Solheim Cup is played. She's done her two, mm. um, got her two victories. And she said, that's the end of that. But, um, but nice to see that there was a local boy 
as part of the team. And the team is made up of the golfers and the caddies and the captains and the vice captains. It's everyone pulling together and they got that sensational victory. Absolutely. And Colin Montgomery thought he had it tough when he was in America with, with the Ryder Cup team. At least he had some Europeans supporting him. Um, now, Dave, tennis. Not Emma- many. <laughs> Not many, John. Monty was uh, a real Marmite character, wasn't he? <laughs> Emma Redekanu, Dave. Uh, yes. Um, I mean, absolutely sensational. I've been watching all our games in the US the last meeting last night for Shelby Rogers after a a wee falter at the start going two two love down um Rogers only won uh, one more one more game and uh, it was just it's amazing she's in the last eight she hasn't dropped a set she's playing with absolutely no fear or trepidation whatsoever and the sky's the limit for her. I mean you look at the, the um the players that have reached the last 16 in their first two Grand Slams, and that's Chris Ever, Jennifer Capriati. Um, they're players that went on to to some, I mean, Chris Ever won 18 Grand Slams. So, and to be honest, the sky's the limit for her. I mean, and that's not, uh, that's not, you know, I don't see that lightly um, because she has all the attributes. And as far as the US is concerned, the draw has opened up. It's anybody that's left in that draw in that draw has got a chance of winning because Osaka and uh, uh, Barty are both out, so the the, the favourites have gone. So it's anybody's tournament, and she's playing with a confidence that I don't think any of the other seven will have. And uh, it's just brilliant to see. It's it's like Andy Murray, a female version, all over again. Yeah, and uh, it was only her first Wimbledon earlier this summer as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Fantastic. Well, we'll keep our eyes on that one. Uh, that is pretty much it for episode five of Pretodry PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be really grateful. Thanks for checking out Pretodry PS. We'll see you next time. <laughs>